Hey, welcome back to the Connect Podcast. I am Derek Miller, Senior Pastor at River Valley Christian Fellowship. We're thankful for you uh, listening, all of you that have subscribed to this podcast. We're grateful. And if you haven't done so, please do that. Now you can leave us a review. We have a paltry two reviews on Apple Podcasts. They're good reviews, but they're paltry. Uh, it's That's two, just two reviews. We've had 2,500 downloads of this podcast so far. So we're thankful uh, for those of you that uh, listen in. Uh, today, joining me, uh, you know I always have a guest uh, here, and today we have two guests with us. Uh, but uh, the first guest I want to introduce you, introduce you to, you've heard from her before, early on when we just started this podcast, Jill Shipkowski, our community life director here at River Valley, is with us. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. It's good to be back. Is it? Is it really? It really is. Is it good to be back? Yeah, I'm glad. I, I love it. I'm glad you're back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, well, we've been through a lot since you were last year. Yeah, it was almost a year, like a year ago. It was almost ago. a year. Yes, it was mm-hmm. almost a year ago. Things were breaking bad. Yes. Uh, and, uh, so, That's a good way of putting it. Yes, it is a good way of putting it. But, um, but you have also uh, recently, well, you had a move. So, so during, yeah, let's, let's do pandemic. Mm-hmm. Let's do all of those things. Yeah. And then let's also sell a house and move. Yeah. Here's here's what I did during the pandemic. My oldest daughter moved to Colorado. My youngest daughter left for college. And then we sold our house and moved to a different town. So, so not much going on. No. I figured, what else is happening? Why not throw <laughs> some really... What Fun else stuff can we in there, add like to packing this? up your whole house and uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's just not enough chaos. No, in, the, in other words, going I thrive on, to... on chaos. So <laughs> why not put you some more in not. there? <laughs> you do not. I do not. No. So you've been here for ten years on staff. I think it's actually like eleven going on twelve. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Wow. How did I just subtract a year? Wishful thinking, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been here long enough to give an opinion of, uh, of your, uh, boss. Oh, what? (laughs) I, yes, technically that is true. And then, so anyway. how quiet, look at, listen to this stumbling around, this sputtering and stammering. (laughs) So back to the move. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Back to the house. Yeah. Let's talk about my daughter moving to Colorado. (laughs) No, honestly, I was just thinking the other day how, how much things have changed since the time I've been here from the office locations. I was looking out my old office window last Sunday. Yes. It's just so many changes. Lots of changes. Lots of changes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. There's, there's plenty of people that don't don't uh, care for me uh, because of <laughs> all of that changed in the last dozen years. Uh, we, yeah, we've got, a, I mean, we built a building we and did. Yeah, we've renovated almost the entire, our children's area. I'm really excited about this. Mm-hmm. Our children's area is going to be renovated. It's going to be complete in like two weeks. Yes. So um, yes, even during the pandemic, we were planning and preparing and did some of that work already. God's been so gracious for people to see the vision of that for our children mm-hmm. and the value we see to ministry to our kids and their families. And 
And so all that project is is ready to go, and the install dates of certain things, which are going to be really fun for the kids, it's going to be a great environment for learning. Um, that's happening in two weeks. Yes, so cute, and I cannot wait for so, everybody to see it. you know what it. we have left to do? Yes, I do. <laughs> we have one room left that is, does Ooh. not, it, it's like, you know, those pictures you look, what doesn't look like the other thing? <laughs> Well, it's our, what we call our North Worship Venue, our sanctuary, our original sanctuary is still, it is still 2004 Burgundy. It is. Carpets and pews and all of that. So, mm -hmm. so that'll be fun for the next pastor to take care of. <laughs> Some someday after your retirement. <laughs> someday later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, we've done, a, you know, we've done a lot. God's been gr very gracious. Um, but, um. But you had something exciting happen recently. I did. Yes, you did. You know what it is? Yes. You should know. So, yeah. 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 You're you're pointing to your arm. Yeah. I am. Those are, the, are listening and not watching video. It was the yeah. wrong arm, but yeah, <laughs> I did. I got my first vaccine. You got your vaccination. I did. It was one of the best days I've had lately because <laughs> I've been waiting. Like in a year? Yeah, like in a year. Yeah. I feel like I took a full breath. When it was over, mm -hmm. and it's just very nice to have that done, and just the peace of mind that comes with it. So, so you got the Pfizer? Is no, it the Pfizer or the Moderna? It's the Moderna because it's down here, and I think that's pretty much all they have in this area, right? Moderna. I haven't heard of anybody getting in a the Pfizer, Pfizer one down but there's here. There's still both. Uh, there's still two two shots, right? Yeah, two the shots. The Johnson and Okay, so the Johnson and Johnson. Mm -hmm. It just got approved, correct? It did. By the FDA. And so they're going to launch that. But it's only like, what is it, 60%? Yeah, but effective? actually it's 60%. It's, it's only like, one shot. It's only one shot, but they said 100% against hospitalization and death. Oh, okay. So even if it's 66 that you might yeah. still get sick. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had COVID. I don't want it again. And I don't want other people to get it either. You didn't enjoy it's that not, time? It's not pleasant. No, it, it really isn't pleasant. Um, but, uh, so you got your first one, you got to get the second one and then, mm -hmm. and then you will be, um, like dancing in the streets. I, I will physically dance in the streets. That's a big step for me, okay. but I think this is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, that's excellent. I'm glad that you're doing it. We, we've heard, um, lots of other people in the, in our congregation, uh, getting the vaccine. Some are older folks, you know, I'm a little concerned about them cause they've, They've been on like on lists mm -hmm. and haven't gotten calls and then they go follow up and then they're, they have to re uh, resign up. And it's been kind of confusing for people in the older population. I think yes. if they don't have an advocate kind of helping them along, but, uh, mm -hmm. but it's, it's progressing. We're thankful. Yeah. Uh, the vaccine is progressing so that we can, we can begin to uh, find some, some normalcy again mm -hmm. in the, in the future. Yeah. So, so, we'll be appreciating everything that we didn't prior to March of last year, right? Yes, that's very true. But maybe you should say, how is it that you got your vaccine? Okay, I will. Well, can I introduce... How did you qualify? I qualified for the vaccine because I have started volunteering with Fortitude Community Outreach. Oh, speaking of Fortitude Community Outreach, speaking of, our second guest has been sitting quietly all this time waiting for her big introduction. To, to the connect podcast. So 
So Jill, introduce our special guest. Yes, we are so happy to have with us today Dr. Don Brewers, who is the director and founder of Fortitude Community Outreach. Welcome, That's Don. Right. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. We are so glad to have you. Um, we just want to remind everybody what Fortitude Community Outreach is because they are one of our community partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are a nonprofit that serves the homeless in this area through street outreach, an emergency shelter, transitional housing, and other ways. So, yep. yeah. How about you tell us um, what, how did Fortitude get started? Wait a second. Before we get to that question, chill. What? Vaccine. We got to finish that thought, (laughs) right? Because you were about about talking about this. You were about to tell us how is it that you got your vaccine? Yes. That you qualify for that. Right. Because um, if you are a volunteer or a staff member with Fortitude Community Outreach or a lot of other um, outreach ministries in the area, then you are qualified for the vaccine. So I started working, um, serving with Fortitude. I've done it a couple times in the past, but I'm trying to get in on a more regular basis now. Um, be driving the bus this Thursday yeah. to go pick up some guests oh, in downtown Kankakee. Awesome. Um, and so Don was gracious enough to um, be able to get me on the list to get the vaccine. So, so community workers are, right. are, yeah. Yeah. And that's something I had to advocate for because it's not, it's not distinct on the government's list of who's eligible. But I spoke with our local health department and um, they had stated that communal shelters are a place that would be eligible for um, the workers to get vaccines. And so we were able to get all of our staff and volunteers who wanted to take one, we're able to get that for them. And so I'm, I'm very pleased with how the health department worked with us on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great, great thing. But we were just talking earlier about the amazing volunteers that you have yeah. who pre-vaccine, pre any kind of protection, have been there with you since last March, mm-hmm. just serving the homeless yeah. on a, such a faithful basis. Yes, this year, this shelter season has been very different than ones in the past. In the past, we've had a uh, 100 more um, volunteers that would volunteer on a regular basis. Some nights we'd have 10 volunteers at the shelter. And that was wonderful because we were able to um, play games with them and, you know, sit around a table and have group conversations. And so having lots of people that could engage and still, you know, do supervision and serve meals and all of that was wonderful. But this year, having a smaller number of volunteers... Um, just to keep the numbers down, but also because we're not sitting around a table together playing games. Mm -hmm. We're not having group conversations. You know, we love to try to have one-on-one conversations that are socially distanced, but, um, we just don't need that many volunteers. And so what we've ended up with this year is a very, very small core group of volunteers that are committed. Um, you know, we have a couple that volunteers every Tuesday night a different couple of volunteers every Friday night. Mm -hmm. And that works out really well because they know the site, they know the people, Mm -hmm. they know, you know, (laughs) I could not be there and they would run it all themselves. Right. So that we've just been really blessed considering the circumstances, 
we have been incredibly blessed this year. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. So we will get to how people can volunteer a little bit later. Yeah. But for now, um, let's talk about how Forge You got started. You started in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a very interesting story. And um, another thing that's interesting is I tell it a little differently depending on the audience that I'm with because it depends on the relevance. So um, I assume that everyone listening here is a Christian. So we're, we'll go with that audience. Um, I, I try to make, you know, decisions on my life based on what God is telling me to do, what he is prompting me to do. And so about 2015, 2016, I was at a place where, um, I, I was put in positions where I was kind of dipping my toes into the field of working with the homeless. Now I've been a social worker since 2000. Nope, 1996. <laughs> That's a long it's time ago. It's funny how those years sneak up wow. on us, right? Um, and so I've always worked with the homeless in some capacity or another, but never as my primary population. Um, but God just brought a couple um, situations or bits of information in my life that just moved my heart. One of which was hearing from a retired Kankakee policeman that there were people that froze to death in our community, mm-hmm. um, you know, pretty much every year. And I know enough about our community to know that we can absolutely do better than that. Mm-hmm. So that was one of those things I couldn't just ignore, just mm-hmm. move on and not, you know, do something about that. And I had gotten involved with a group of homeless leaders, homeless providers, and, um, and I knew enough about the services in the area to know that there were massive gaps in what was being provided. So generally speaking, we had this large group of homeless individuals and we had several agencies that provided a buffet of services, but they were not connecting. Mm. And so, um, for many, many reasons. And, um, I have always as a social worker really, really, um, valued this idea of filling in gaps. Mm. So the opposite of filling in gaps is, doing what you want to do. <laughs> so it's why it's one of the reasons that we see so many food pantries in our area. And I don't discount the importance of food pantries, but, um, a lot of times what you see is, um, a group or a church, you know, Oh, I want to, I want to do food pantries. So they create a food pantry without studying. Is there, is there a need for another food pantry? Is there a gap in services that would require me to fill this gap? And then we have a lot of services where nobody's doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel, you know, in social work, it's always important to find what is that need that I can fill. Right. So it was very, very apparent that that was the gap and that was the need. And I remember having several conversations with my husband of like, well, uh, who's going to do it? I mean, who's going to step up and do this? And finally, you know, the answer was like, well, I guess it's me. And um, from that moment on, it was really kind of a series of, of, some doors getting closed that would mean moving away from serving the homeless full time and many, many doors opening to this feels right. This is where God wants you. This is where you have to go. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that there was no money and no, um, <laughs> no benefits, no, like I'm just jumping in with right. uh, no idea where I was going to land. And, but it always felt right. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, the road I kept going down. So we started as a weekly homeless outreach, and that was designed 
to help us get to know the homeless in the area and what those specific needs were. And what I wanted was to, for them to be able to trust us Mm -hmm. as, as individuals, but also as fortitude Mm -hmm. so that whatever we were able to do down the road, they would know, Oh, it's those fortitude people, (laughs) you know, that they could trust that. Okay. I can, I can stay the night there or I can trust that they'll do what they say they're going to do. And so we did that for, um, a solid year, really learning from them mm-hmm. um, before we realized that the biggest need was an overnight emergency shelter. Mm-hmm. So it was in that year that Salvation Army closed the, their on-site shelter, and there was just nothing at all to fill that gap. So we knew it was a huge need. We knew that we were in a position to, to do that, and uh, it felt right, so we made that jump, mm-hmm. and that's when we started the the pads sheltering model, which is what we do today. So just right. in a nutshell, the pad sheltering model is an itinerant model where we're providing shelter at different locations every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're at a different church right now, five nights a week and at River Valley on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. So River Valley is one of our shelter sites. And that has served us well as a burgeoning organization because it, has cost us nothing for the location, no overhead of a building. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a win-win because oftentimes churches are, you know, spending, you know, fantastic buildings, but are not necessarily used that right. much. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, really a great partnership. Yeah. 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 We were very excited to be able to use this space that we have in a different way because yeah. we do utilize it on Sundays and, and during the week for different ministries, but there are times when it's open and available and to think that we could use that to mm-hmm. house some people who desperately need it. It was, yeah. it was great for us to be able to partner with you in that. So, and that was your brand new it extension. Was. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I mean, that it really touches your heart that you would invest that much money and effort into mm-hmm. a brand new wing and then say, you know what, we're perfectly fine with having the homeless come and sleep there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't build it for ourselves. We built it for people and we see so much in scripture that, that that's exactly who we are supposed to be serving right. and serving as though they are the top tier of people that we can encounter. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's just, that's just listening to Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. we were glad to do that. Yeah. And I love the parable when, about the, uh, um, the, the wedding party, um, right. where he wanted to invite all the, the poor that were sitting outside to come mm-hmm. to that event. And, um, you know, I feel that way a lot, but sometimes I'd, yeah. sometimes I'd rather hang out with those individuals that just struggle day to day than right. people that are yeah really well off. And sometimes are not necessarily in tune with what God is really asking us to do. Yeah. I know that you probably have a lot of people who think that they know what dealing with the homeless population is like and how, what the best answers are to solve this problem. Um, Can you talk to us just for a minute about what um, trauma-informed care care looks like? Yeah, so that's a deep subject um, that people attend week-long trainings (laughs) Just give us a one minute summary. (laughs) Um, So trauma informed care is really understanding that individuals who have experienced or experienced trauma are are at a very different place than the rest of us. 
So it's an understanding that their ability to trust and to move forward in life mm-hmm. is, is greatly altered and stymied um, by the trauma, which if you know anything about trauma, it's a, you know, a, a psychosomatic experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it affects you on many, many levels. And we know that the homeless are obviously in their homelessness dealing with trauma mm-hmm. on a daily basis. But we also know that the, the vast majority, if not 100% of them, have dealt with a significant amount of trauma throughout their life. So if you really spoke, had a conversation with one and heard their story, you would hear multiple examples of trauma throughout their life, whether that starts with, um, you know, drug-addicted parents living in a a community of violence, Mm -hmm. um, being in a foster home. There's a massive percentage of of homeless individuals that lived in a foster home at some point in their life. So that really speaks to how much housing instability affects you lifelong. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and then themselves, maybe dealing with a a drug addiction or some people that we've worked with have had major health problems that um, meant they lost their job and then they lost our apartment and then next thing you know, they're homeless. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's that trauma. And so we use trauma informed care as kind of the foundation for our services because it's understanding that we can't expect them to just, you know, go out and get a job tomorrow and then go get your apartment. You know, the whole pull up your bootstraps mm-hmm. is not, is not going to happen because there are multiple things that they need to deal with. Right. And so in order to get them to the point where they can trust mm-hmm. and they can move forward, we have to establish a trusting relationship with them. And it's through that relationship that will get them to the point where they can move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, I also believe that's true for building faith. And moving mm-hmm. forward in your Christian life, that it's through a trusting relationship mm-hmm. that's going to bring people to the point where they're ready to accept Jesus Christ, where they're ready to accept a discipleship right. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we try to build all of that into what we do. Right. Okay. So a typical night at the shelter, the guests come in, they're served a hot dinner when they get here. Um, They get their own spot Mm -hmm. with a a mattress and some blankets and um, they can kind of put all of their stuff in a safe place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's some time where you get to engage with them and have conversation and find out who they are Mm -hmm. and what their story is. So, um, and then they stay the night and in the morning they get a breakfast mm-hmm. again, and yep. then they're on their way, and then they can come back to the next site the next night. Yep. So um, I know you've gotten to know so many of our communities homeless during this last couple of years. Can you tell us um, just some some stories that you, if you feel comfortable sharing with us, that you've encountered? <laughs> There's so many stories that have absolutely wrecked my heart. Um, mm-hmm. And you do get you do get used to them after a while, unfortunately. Um, but the, my favorite stories are ones that teach me mm. what their lives are like. Um, no matter how well educated or trained you are, we still approach the world from our worldview. Right. And you know, I have been very blessed in the life that I've led, the family that I have. Um, 
And so I, I accept that that's my worldview. That's how I see the world because it's how I've lived it. So the only way that I'm really going to understand and be able to best serve the homeless is to get their worldview from them. Hmm. And so um, my favorite stories are ones where, you know, they're sharing something that makes me go like, wow, I never knew, I never understood why that was or, or how this thing works. One of the individuals that we worked with, you actually worked with this individual a little bit too Mm -hmm. um, at a time when we were working hard to build a collaboration to help him. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an individual who was working full time and just could not get to a place where he was ready to get a place of his own move out of the shelter. And so we were trying our best to help him. And one of the things that we discovered just from hearing his story was that the, because he couldn't get a bank account. Mm-hmm. He would get paid on a, a card. And every time he used that card, it would charge him exorbitant fees. And he would use that card to buy his breakfast mm-hmm. um, because he couldn't just, you know, right. get a bowl of cereal at home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he was, he was paying crazy amounts of money for, you know, a breakfast sandwich at Speedway. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and every time he needed to get some cash out, then they would charge these exorbitant fees. Right. And so that's when you start to realize why it's so difficult mm-hmm. for individuals who work full time, minimum wage, to actually save enough to get an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hearing things like um, he he was very nearsighted, but he had broken his glasses or lost his glasses, and he couldn't afford to get a new pair. And so he was just doing without. And so we got somebody to pay for his glasses. It was like 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, he put them on for the first time in his boss's office. We brought him to his work site. He put them on in his boss's office who happened to have a stuffed, I don't know, moose or something on his office wall. And he'd been in that office many, many times. And he said, wow, I didn't, I never realized that you, that's so cool. I didn't know you had that on the wall. He couldn't see enough to notice this big stuffed animal yeah. on the wall. But yet he figured out a way to do his job, to navigate the community. Mm-hmm. And it's it's stuff like that that I just think how much they are in survival mode. Right. And they figure stuff out that would just tear me apart. Mm-hmm. I would just fall apart if I couldn't, you know, <laughs> See, in the morning, I'd just be like, I can't work today. I'm laying in bed. You know, we're so, right. so fragile when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they are, they just deal with such adversity. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for the stereotype to be that they're lazy and they don't care and they don't want to move forward. And it's, it's really that there are so many barriers mm-hmm. in their path that mm-hmm. eventually realize, I understand why. Yeah, that was hard to take the, a step forward. Just being a very small part of that team, that was so eye-opening for me because it's the the conversation always is, oh, just go get, you know, go fill out a job application. I see places are hiring all the time, but you need an address to fill out on your application yep. and and they don't have that and you need your driver's license and they can't get that and there's money involved in all of those things and just yep. the the basic steps it takes people to be able to do something are amplified times a thousand for them. And yeah. so it's not that easy, but I also feel like 
what a beautiful picture of community because the people that sat around that table Mm -hmm. heard what was happening and it was nothing for somebody to say, here's $50 to go get a pair of glasses, you know, but until we know, until we're aware of these things and we put ourselves into positions to be able to know, um, we can't help. So another thing that always touches my heart is there is a definite, um, phenomenon among uh, this is very general speaking but among the poor among the very poor that they will give everything to help somebody else Mm -hmm. so i was just watching something on tv yesterday probably um somebody said i i think rich people care more about money than poor people care about money meaning that um uh, what i see over and over is that the poor will take care of of others. Mm -hmm. And so we would see all the time that, um, somebody would give another person their coat Hmm. uh, and then be without the coat or they'd have $5 in their pocket and they'd give it to somebody else. Um, all the time. We see this all the time to the point that sometimes we have to have an educational piece of like, sometimes you got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you want to get an apartment, you want to get ahead. Sometimes you got to save that money. Sometimes you got to say no to somebody, Mm-hmm. in order to take care of yourself. Um, so that's an ethical, <laughs> a yeah. bit of an ethical dilemma. Right. So what is the ultimate goal for fortitude? Is that having somebody get housing? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On an individual level, the ultimate goal is always that they will get permanent housing and that they'll be able to keep yeah. that permanent housing. That's a whole other aspect. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. Um, the ultimate goal really for fortitude would be to work ourselves out of a job. Yes. Um, people talk about net zero homelessness, um, solving homelessness. The reality is we're never going to solve mm-hmm. homelessness. People become homeless for reasons that we can't prevent always. Mm-hmm. The goal would be that they, when it happens, that we can have those services so that they can, um, you know, be safe be cared for and get back on their feet quickly. Mm-hmm. I saw on Facebook this week that you did hand the keys to somebody. Yeah. Soon, yeah. right? Well, we didn't hand the keys, but he had come with his keys. He had gotten them. Mm-hmm. He had gotten an apartment at Azarelli Towers, which okay. you know is for those that are older and were disabled. So he had gotten his keys and he has now moved into the apartment. So mm-hmm. right before I came here, I was actually texting with him about what his needs were. He was going to be able to get some apartment stuff from his family. And I told him we would fill in the rest. So later today, which is not when this podcast will come out, but (laughs) later um, I'll, I'll be putting that information out. And we have, we have the best donors. Mm -hmm. If we say we need a pair of boots, we need a coffee table, we'll have it. (laughs) So um, we like to to say exactly what those needs are. So people Mm -hmm. can meet them and they're happy to do that. Yeah. Great. Um, can you tell us then, we've, we've been in partners for a couple years mm-hmm. probably um, and have volunteered with Fortitude. We've had people in our congregation who have done so. Um, what are the ways that people can help out with Fortitude? The, the biggest need we have for volunteers is at our shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, our shelter volunteers need to be trained, but since COVID, that training is online now. So anybody can go to our website and get the link, do the training and get signed up for that. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a larger commitment. Um, we are currently revamping our street outreach, um, mostly because of the gun violence that's been happening mm-hmm. 
Mm. downtown has been often in areas that we have done street outreach. (laughs) So um, we need to reevaluate how we're going to do that in a way that keeps us and our volunteers safe. But once we get that started again, that's a great gateway to volunteer with Mm -hmm. Fortitude because it's, um, you've done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't take much time at all. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to kind of meet people without having to get too much out of your comfort zone. It really is. So um, another way that people volunteer is by providing meals. Mm -hmm. And again, that link is on our website. So lately, most of our meals are being provided by one individual a night. So someone will just sign up for every every bit of that meal themselves Mm -hmm. and just bring the whole meal. The nice thing is that you give everybody exactly what to bring. You give them the recipe and the, and you tell them what, what they need to, to bring. So they just need to go ahead and put that together and bring it over. Yeah, We're kind of picky about that just because people who are homeless often have very bad teeth. Mm -hmm. And so they need soft food. And so we try to, you know, always have recipes that are soft and inexpensive and easy to make. So, um, it's, it's a, you know, we're, we're kind of picky about that. Yeah. Um, but yes, all of that sign up is online and that's a great easy way mm-hmm. to participate. And people, um, listening may or may not be familiar with our shop and drop that we do. Yeah. Um, but that goes to help out with the street outreach because people come there and they can get just the supplies that they need. Mm-hmm. We have shaving cream for you this month and um, they give out blankets and socks and underwear and shampoo and all of the things that people need that they can't otherwise get. So um, that makes a difference too. When- yeah. And we have those items available at the shelter too. Mm-hmm. So um, if they, they want to shave, which sometimes is a big venture. (laughs) Uh, We have those supplies for them there. Right. Right. Okay. And then how about if people are interested in giving to Fortitude, how can they do that? And what, what kind of impact is that going to make? Volunteering, I'm sorry, contributing financially is a great way to support us because we have to have staff to cover the shelter um, all the hours that it's open. So that's about 13 hours. Mm -hmm. You have to have staff paid staff coverage and then, um, staff wages for administrative stuff. So we can only do what we do with the people that are paid to run it. Um, and then all of the materials that we purchase for the shelter, all the materials that we purchase for, um, to meet their needs, Sometimes we'll purchase clothes, boots, things like that that would be very difficult for them to access themselves. So we have um, a way that you can contribute online mm-hmm. through our website. You can um, contributions can be mailed to our address, which is 1180 North Convent in Bourbonnais. Um, people can always contact me. The phone number and emails on our website mm-hmm. all go to me if there's uh, another way you'd like to contribute. Mm-hmm. And your website is fortitudecommunityoutreach.org. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, we are so glad that you were here with us today. I just want to, on behalf of the people in our church and our community, thank you for what you do because um, 
I know that this is something that God put on your heart to do, but you're doing it beautifully. Thank and you. I know that you are putting your heart and soul into this. And shout out to Tom, your husband, right. because uh, I know the two of you are just, it's probably the bulk of what yeah. of what you're doing. Right? He is so. the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> and he wants none of the, you know, praise. Mm-hmm. He would gladly just let me, you know, do it. And then He's just the workhorse. Yeah. He's the one who's moving furniture into people's apartments and hauling laundry into facilities. And yeah, yeah he's great. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are just a beautiful picture of God nudging you to do something and you following through with it. And the difference that you've made in people's lives is is visible and tangible. We can see what you're doing. So we're glad to be able to support you in that. And we're happy to um, encourage our church to serve with you in any way um, that works for both of you. So again, that um, website is fortitudecommunityoutreach.org. Everything that you've heard here today about giving and serving can be found on there. So, um, yeah, I want to jump back in and just say, mm-hmm. Don, I, I so appreciate you. And I know these last several years, there's probably been some really dark nights of the soul. <laughs> uh, you know, when you've had lots of opposition. Yeah. We, we're not going to talk about that, but you've, you've had lots of opposition and you've had, but, but you've just stayed the course mm-hmm. and you've been so faithful in the vision that God has given you. And it so reminds me of what Martin Luther King Jr. said about the parable of the good Samaritan mm-hmm. when the, you know, you got a guy who's been beat up and left for dead nearly. And the priest and the Levite walk on the other side of the road. They see the man, they walk on the other side of the road, and the Samaritan comes, crosses the road, picks him up, takes him to where he can get his needs cared for, pays for that, and goes, um, sacrifices himself to care for the needs of, of this man. And I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said about it. He said, the priest and the Levite were asking the wrong question. They were asking, if I cross the road, what will happen to me? Yeah. But the Samaritan was asking another question. The most appropriate question was, if I don't cross the road, what will happen to him? That's a great way to put it. And that is the question that you and Tom and all your volunteers, you're asking the right question. Mm -hmm. If we don't do this, what's going to happen to them? Mm -hmm. And so thank you for Mm -hmm. being the the hands and feet of Jesus in our community yeah. and caring for the least of these. Um, and we call, you know, the least of these, but they're not, no, they're not in the kingdom. They're not the least of these in the kingdom, are they? Um, yeah. And these are, um, these are created in the image of God. God loves them so dearly. Yeah. And he uses people like you and others who volunteer with you to care for uh, their needs and love them. Uh, so deeply. It really is our honor to be able to do it. Um, It's funny you talked about hands and feet because um, you talked about challenges and difficult times and, you know, any any leadership position comes with some of that. Um, What always gets me through those times, though, is the scripture in Nehemiah, I believe it's Nehemiah 6, 9, where Nehemiah is called to rebuild the church. That's his calling from God. Whether he liked it or not, that's what he was sent to do and had tons of opposition, terrible opposition. And um, at the moment where it just became too much for him, he prayed, um, Lord, strengthen my hands, which wasn't, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, change the situation. Mm-hmm. It was, 
Lord, give me the strength to deal with it. And so when those tough days come and there's opposition and I think, what the heck, why? I can just go work at Wendy's and make a hamburger. Um, I think, no, the, the, the response is strengthen me to be able to continue what I do. So, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Don, for being with us today. Thanks for having me. And Jill, thanks for being uh, with us. And, and uh, we appreciate both of you and what God continues to do. So all of you listening today, thank you again for joining us today. And uh, please tell someone else about this uh, podcast. We would appreciate that. And we will see you next week. God bless.